You're listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Hello, Richard. Mike, thanks for having me on here. I really appreciate it. I was like your fifth guest on your podcast. We were, it was early for me, and I appreciate you for that. I was just getting started. So you were like the first or second on mine, and it was just on my phone, and I think halfway through, I dumped half of it. So I actually yeah. came on the end of the podcast, and I told my listeners, I said, I apologize. That's all we got, but it was too good to throw it away, so... <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. Living the quarantine life right now. Um, yeah. I've only left the house to do some grocery shopping twice, maybe in the last six weeks. So it's been uh, it's been interesting just kind of hunker down at home. So we had some guy about a week ago, I was in the pharmacy, and he said he had not been out for like three weeks or something. And he was actually going around like a new puppy. I mean, he, he was going up to everybody in the pharmacy he could to uh, say hello and because he was so happy to get out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, it's it's like we're living in like a weird twilight zone. I mean, even when I went to the grocery, I think I haven't I think it was about three weeks ago. It was just the particular grocery store I went to was just so dead. And I live in Miami, so I live in a very like busy area. Yeah. And like just to see like it, one, it was just completely dead and everyone was wearing a mask. And it was just like, man, this is just a weird, you know, kind of environment right now. Yeah. The first week or so it happened, I physically almost shook my head a couple of times. You couldn't believe it. You know, you couldn't believe it was happening. Mm-hmm. Humans adapt, I guess. It seems kind of normal now <laughs> yeah i mean with everything we always adapt so that's that's one thing that's great about the human the human species is that our nature is to always adapt um and luckily yeah. we have uh, an ability to communicate and uh you know animals you know they don't have that ability to communicate and adapt when things happen it happens it takes evolution to like figure that out but for us yeah it's it's an instant adaptation because we're able to communicate so i mean you know from a from a holistic point of view i mean we're yeah we're definitely in a, in a good spot <laughs> for those that don't know you yet online. Tell us who you are and tell us why we're talking today. Yes. Uh, so for those that don't know me, my name is Richard Waith. Uh, I'm a pharmacist with a uh, primarily a background in community pharmacy. I went to school at the University of Florida and um, primarily had a background in, uh, again, like working at some of the large retailers like Target, um, CVS, Publix. Really started to see that patient education was a passion of mine uh, and really tried to focus on, you know, how can I work with technology and work with making sure patients are understanding a lot about their medications. And um, VUCA Health for me was a uh, was an interesting story because I was, I was actually an intern with the company uh, when I was in pharmacy school, helping them create oh. some of the content. And then uh, when I graduated and went off on my own, uh, I started like an MTM company. I started to get into digital media production with the podcast with Arcs Radio and things like that. And then kind of came back full circle where the founders uh, asked me about a couple of years ago to come back and um, run the company as president. So um, that's kind of where kind of brought us here today. Um, in VUCA Health, what we do is uh, we primarily focus on creating medication education content. Uh, we create medication education videos. But one of the ways that we um, get those videos in front of patients is by putting a QR code uh, on the uh, labels, uh, working with community pharmacies, um, mostly independent pharmacies. And the result of a new partnership that we engaged in with Pioneer RX. Now every single pharmacy that's using Pioneer will have a QR code on their receipt label. Um, whereas with most other independent pharmacies, it's 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 up to the pharmacy's choice if they want to uh, subscribe to the solution or not. But with Pioneer now, it's, Pioneer's created it where 
it's now a standard for all of their um, community pharmacy, all of their independent pharmacies. And um, it's a really exciting time. How did you get your first internship with VUCA Health? Did you search that out or what? No, actually, uh, my beginnings with VUCA is actually just a, a testament to like my my always ability to say yes to everything. And I yeah. feel like in, in most of what I do and all the opportunities, I always say yes to things. If if I can either afford it or I can I can have I have the time to go do it or take an opportunity, I say yes. The founders actually sent an email out to our entire campus um, for, wow. for students, basically looking for students to help create the content um, at the time. This was back in 2012, 13-ish around there. And yeah. I was I saw the email. It was literally out of a campus that had maybe 400 students. I think I was one of four students that actually replied and said, yes, I'll do that. Like, wow. that sounds good. And that was kind of hot. So I wasn't searching it out. Um, but the, the, the one of the biggest reasons I said yes also was because as a student, they were like, uh, the opportunity was you can write scripts for patients about medications and we'll pay you to work from home. And I was like, I can do that on my own, like on my own time while I'm in pharmacy school. I'm a broke student. You know, let's definitely do this. So <laughs> that was kind of the origin there. You were getting paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily. Wow. That's cool. Did you pick up some cool experiences there as far as what brought you into the RX radio show then did you learn about stuff or did you already have that background with audiovisual etc so at the time the company was so new i don't know if i fully grasped what they were all going to be doing um and we did mm -hmm. not get exposed to any other parts of the business or any other parts gotcha. of the technology uh, as a student all we knew was how to create these scripts so i actually did not uh i did not have a foundation and even before that i didn't really have a foundation in, in media production um, my friend that helped me with getting to where I am today is Google. Um, I literally started <laughs> yeah. Googling everything. I started just researching Google, YouTube, um, watching videos. Uh, if I ever wanted to learn about how to make my own graphic without knowing or website without knowing how to code, I would just go to Google and try to search that. So um, I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't get a lot of exposure uh, when I was a student with with VUCA at the time, because I was just creating those medication education scripts. But it wasn't until a couple of years after I graduated that I realized being the type of person I am, I, I feel like I'm, I'm great at communication, especially in person. Like, how do I scale this? How do I start to communicate with more people um, and start to build my brand that way? And that's kind of where the digital media production side started kind of coming out of it, coming out of me. So today we're talking about these QR codes. I now know what QR means. Quick response. Quick response. Yeah. Every time I would come up to a QR code in the past, it was totally opposite of quick response because I hadn't used enough of them. I didn't know what program I needed to use. And I thought, oh, crap, I'm just going to type the web link that's typically down on the bottom of those things. But your stuff now really lends itself well to QR codes because if you had every medicine with a different website, you'd start to get into some kind of funky websites that people would have to type in instead of using their camera. You know, I mean, there'd be hundreds and then different strengths and different and maybe not so much the strengths, but different dosage formulations and things like that. So that QR code must really help. The interesting thing about the QR code is if you think about the history of it, well, it was almost before its time when you think about like a QR code, because what happened was 
Exactly. The QR code was essentially invented, um, but there wasn't an easy way to read it. So what people normally had to do was they had to download a QR code reader as an app. Yes. So there's there's a lot of friction there, a lot of steps that you had to do to be able to understand how to even use it. Right. Now, what happened a couple of years ago, Apple and Google did us an extremely huge favor, especially for our business, where they now have embedded inside of the camera for uh, most of uh, every single Apple product, like a, whether it's an iPhone, an iPad, like a tablet, those cameras all have a QR code reader built in. So all you have to do is open your camera and hover it over. Yeah. Whereas prior to that, uh, you had to download that app. The problem was, is that even today, a lot of people still don't know how easy it is to access a QR code. Right. Um, and Apple, it's almost like they did it in secret. Like, like yeah. Apple didn't really tell anyone that they put a QR code reader in every camera. Um, but it's interesting because other cultures, like if you look at Asian cultures, like QR codes are everywhere. Really? Um, for everything. And um, we're, we're really behind on it. But it's also a function of... Uh, when it was created, people didn't really know how to use it. And they just automatically started assuming that that's just not something they're going to deal with. And then when Apple created the, uh, you know, embedded it in all of the all of the cameras, they never told anyone. And there's never been like a huge marketing push to say, like, let's start using QR codes more often now. So it's uh, right. It's definitely been interesting. I've got an Android and I didn't know it. I'm like, where's my app? And then even with my team, when I say, well, here's how you do it. You put your camera over it. And they all want to take a picture. I'm like, no, you just... You literally hover your camera over it and you don't touch anything and it, and it comes up. Some Androids though, depending on the Android phone you have, you have to have, uh, I think, either the Google lens or the Google camera. If not with Android phones, you do have to have a uh, uh, an actual QR code reader. So, I and, see. And that's a function of Android having, like I think, multiple like operating systems, I think. Um, so it just depends on which one you have. But for for Apple, it's every single um, device that has a camera. Because there is someone on our team that has an Android. And I bet that's a case where they're not using the Google yeah, camera. exactly. Or don't have that downloaded. Exactly. Oh, that's really interesting. One of the bigger, more popular computer firms says we're putting this on every receipt. One thing I think that's really interesting to think about, too, is um, for a while now, a lot of people will say, well, you know, most of my patients are above 50 and they don't have they don't have smartphones. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, like, first of all, I FaceTime with my 90 year old uh, grandmother. Right. So like, so <laughs> right. uh, I'm not sure how that makes sense. But but then, you know, that's personal, you know, anecdotes and things like that. But then I went and looked at some data and there's over. I want to say it's over 50% or almost 60% of people above 65 own a smartphone or an iPad or a tablet. Yeah. Um, it starts to go, it actually goes up to like 70 something percent when you look at at least a tablet at home. So um, I think there's a misconception now with how uh, technology is being utilized. I think you're right. And I think we're underestimating, you know, the amount, the population of people above 65, we're underestimating the things that they're actually doing with technology. Um, and then this isn't extremely complicated. You just have to know how to open your camera. Yeah. You know, so uh, right. so so it's it's been it's been great um, in terms of realizing that this is something that we need now. Um, every patient that has access to a smart device or Internet should have access to this. Um, so we're excited to for that partnership to really start to get um, our goal is to obviously get to every pharmacy in the country. Um, and, and this is really a, a great step in that in that direction. I wonder if that population, if even the computers skipped some of them. In other words, if some of them went from 
like my mother-in-law, I mean, she never would have had a computer and she failed miserably on a tablet using Facebook. Yeah. But at least we tried. We never would have tried it with a, you know, a desktop or a laptop computer or something like that. And now people are saying, hey, I'll try a phone with my mom or dad or someone more than they would even say I'm going to try a computer or a laptop maybe. And, you know, what's what I think is actually going to be interesting one day Um, We're in the beginning stages of it now, but I think there's some people that might jump to a voice device over a potential smart uh, device, a smartphone or something like that, because a voice device like an Alexa is just so easy to use. But I I think you're right. I think you have a a really great point. The the way that the uh, I think, you know, this is credit to Steve Jobs back in the day. I mean, the way that he created such a device that's so easy to use in the iPhone uh, it just makes yeah. complete sense that uh, the average person, if they're if they're int- being introduced to technology, it's better to hand them an iPhone than to hand them um, any sort of PC or Mac computer uh, because it's yeah. going to be much easier for them to use. And the way that things work now is they can probably do everything that they need to do on their smartphone that they would have needed to do on a computer anyway. Yeah. Now, that voice is really interesting because if you think of like playing 20 questions how narrow you can get down stuff with just 12 questions or something. But you think about if you had Alexa sitting there and you ask some, let's say, elderly person or whomever, hey, how are you feeling today? Oh, not so well. All right, well, now it goes down this direction. Mm-hmm. Why? What's, you know, what's this? And so you're having this conversation and within seven or eight questions, you might have almost been able to diagnose how they're doing and, and why that day. And that's going to be really something when that starts coming. And what you're going to start seeing too is um, this is already something in the works with uh, different companies, but soon patients are going to be able to refill their prescriptions using Alexa. They're going to yeah. be able to say, hey, Alexa, please refill my inhaler or that inhaler sure. I got last month. And that's going to be something that's going to be connected to the back end. So that's that's probably going to happen in the next couple of years. Um, so it, yeah. it's, it's definitely really fun to see where technology is going. And um, I'm glad we can kind of I'm, I'm glad the QR code is probably a, an introduction to a lot of this. Uh, these new technologies to patients um, with kind of digital patient education. Just thinking about the voice still, I still know a lot of people have never been to a podcast. They don't know what a podcast is. Android only has like 2% of the podcast market right now. Every week when I put a podcast out, I put a little ad out that just says to listen to this, just say, hey, Alexa, or, hey, Google, play. And then the name of my podcast in the last episode comes up. Mm. I don't know what kind of response that gets, but... I know some people still don't know how to how to get into a podcast or, you know, where to go for that. Yeah. I mean, I, it's it's interesting to think, you know, there's people that I know that just started listening to RX Radio, um, you know, the podcast I run this year. And they tell me, well, I just started listening this year. And then they and like soon after, like, yeah, it's my first podcast I've ever listened to. It's and amazing. I'm just like, wow, it's crazy that, you know, you're you, and this person's probably, a, a, you know, in their 20s, you know. Yeah. And they're just now starting to listen to podcasts. I mean, it's 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 definitely interesting, but it's growing. We're actually I think we're seeing a, an interesting time now where podcasts had this like huge kind of like upswing and uptake. But right. A lot of it was uh, a lot of listenership happens when when these people are commuting. 
So now yeah. with the uh, with the pandemic, obviously with less commuting, now people are listening less. So um, it's it's, yeah. it's definitely in a weird place now, and I'm, yeah. I'm wanting to see how it's going to rebound. I've seen those numbers drop. Have you seen some of that on your episodes? Yes, I have. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's global. Like almost, uh, if you look at like a lot of reporting with like global podcasts, I mean, it's it's globally down. So I was telling my wife, I said, "Oh, this sucks." I said, "She's like, it's the quarantine, you know? Yeah, and they're out of their." routine exactly dumb this down a little bit because i don't want to hop over some of the listeners inform the listeners on exactly what we're talking about here yeah so i can definitely uh go through kind of a little bit of the uh basics of it how it works yeah uh the the two things that are that are great about this uh that are great about this solution is that one they get a short two minute video about their prescription I see. and we have an extensive library that covers about 90 percent of medications dispensed in a pharmacy so if a patient's picking up metoprolol xl we have a video for metoprolol xl if they're picking up a pro air mm. we have a video specifically for pro air so uh that qr code gives them access to these to these videos that kind of tell them what that medication is used for how to use it properly, um, side effects to expect. And um, they also have administration videos to help people with like injecting like a Humira, for example. Um, and the videos are short. They're about two minutes long. Uh, they're written at a fifth grade reading level. And the content's all created by pharmacists. So there's a minimum of two pharmacists that review every script uh, that gets created. And it w- which is great because it's, it's not intended to replace counseling and, and legally it cannot replace counseling. But it's meant it's it's intended to be a, a, a mimic the conversation that someone would have if they have a quick question about their medication. So it really should provide for more fruitful conversations with um, with patients and their healthcare providers. The other really cool thing about this solution is that um, there all the information that patients normally get on paper, whether that be the patient ed sheets or the med guides, all that information they normally get on paper, they can actually now get digitally through that QR code. And what we've done is we've reached out to 49 different boards of pharmacies to ensure and confirm that this is something that pharmacies can offer as an alternative. So uh, we've, we initiated a going green campaign um, some like five years ago, basically um, advocating for pharmacies to like stop wasting so much paper um, and, and provide this digitally. So we have some pharmacies that are reporting that they've, they've virtually gone paperless um, with all their patients getting their, their um, uh, medication guides and the patient ed sheets through that QR code. Uh, now, pharmacies can't make this um, all or nothing. It's The patient still has to have the option of receiving paper. Gotcha. Um, but, uh, but most patients throw that stuff away um, it, because they've either been on the medication for so long or it just it looks too like it's too much for them to read, which is why the videos are great um, a lot of times. Yeah. Um, and pharmacies are, are saving time um, by not having to deal with all of the finding the paper, folding it, putting it in the bag. Um, and then uh, HIPAA mix-ups happen. You know, yeah. I, being a pharmacist myself, I, I know that I'm trying to make things really efficient. I'll have I'll have verified 10 prescriptions and now I have 10 things laid out. I need to make sure the right paper goes in the right bag. One, that takes time. And two, sometimes the wrong paper ends up in the wrong bag. That's it's it's a it's an unfortunate reality that um, yeah. going paperless can can actually um, prevent. So um, a lot of great benefits to this solution. Yeah. What's interesting about Pioneer is they're initiating this on every single uh, receipt for the customers. Traditionally, the that QR code goes uh, directly on the bottle. What I would encourage if there is a Pioneer uh, pharmacy that's listening right now and you're getting this on your receipts, I would reach out to your account manager to ask to get that QR code on the bottle um, because it is possible to get there. And I highly recommend it. It's how we normally operate. Um, having that QR code on the bottle keeps keeps it so, keeps it close to the medication. 
And, and the QR codes, what's really great about them is that they're NDC specific. So we know exactly the NDC that the patient's getting. And that's why it allows us to populate a lot of the things that are required by um, whether that be the State Board of Pharmacy, the FDA. Um, one other feature that I'll, that I'll talk about, too, is people can actually see the images um, of their of the uh, medications. The QR code can get pretty small, right? I mean, you could have that like a quarter inch by a quarter inch and still be read by a phone. Yeah, thir- 13, 13 millimeters is like the what we tell all our pharmacy management system partners. Uh, that's how small it can be, which is usually the size of like an average thumbnail. And that would go on the bottle somewhere in the corner or something like that if you wanted to get it per bottle. That's correct. Yep. Yeah, the bigger the better, obviously. Um, but you know, you have states like California, which is really interesting because uh, California has labeling requirements that have sp- like the font on the label that like says the medication name has to be a specific size. Oh, and they have to have certain things on their label that actually require sometimes an impossibility to get a QR a, a functional QR code on that label. So, um, so sometimes there are challenges that we have to kind of uh, try to figure out. Um, but yeah, usually it goes right on the bottle and obviously the bigger the QR code is, the better it is to be responding to a QR code reader. Gotcha. Um, so the smaller codes, it's a little bit difficult to like, you have to like play with a little bit, like in terms of how close you might have your phone, making sure your phone is focused, the camera's focused on the QR code, larger QR codes, you know, it's, it's much more easier to pick up. So the larger, the better, but, uh, we do recommend a, a minimum size of 13 millimeters. Being the business of pharmacy podcast. Let's talk money. How's that work? The way our business model works. This is this is in general. Um, yeah. This is no matter the type of customer we have. Uh, we don't we don't get funding, and we don't we don't have any sort of backing from pharma. And a lot of times, uh, a lot of times, companies that provide patient education have like uh, pharma that sponsors, and they get sponsorships and things like that. We don't have that sort of business model. Um, primarily, we 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 license the content directly to um, the healthcare providers. Um, so whether that's a health system, whether that's a specialty pharmacy, a health plan, which are, are we have customers that are health plans, um, whether that's a community pharmacy, our business model usually works by um, licensing the content directly to uh, that healthcare provider. Licensing meaning you've got a an agreement, a business agreement with them. They're buying the access to that. Yeah, and they would pay uh, what's usually a yearly subscription fee to that. Um, so they would pay us directly to subscribe to the content. So I say, we say subscribe because you're getting, it's almost like Netflix where we're giving you all this content um, that you can now use and, and yeah. provide to your patients. And all this content is ad free. So even though we have medication specific videos and content, uh, it's not it's not an ad for some company. Uh, these are all independently created by clinicians, by pharmacists um, that only get the information directly from the FDA and NIH. And you promote that somewhere, probably you say, we're not going to be bought. We're going to have very unbiased material and so on. You know, we don't heavily boast it, which obviously that that is a marketing technique, but it's not something that we have, you know, clearly laid out on our website. Um, but just from, from a core, you know, from our integrity standpoint as a business, it's not to say we won't work with companies like pharma manufacturers or anyone that is is pushing something that we might have a video about. But we just we just want to be extremely clear that the content that we create is is unbiased and is evidence based um, uh, based on FDA approved package labeling. Uh, so it's nothing that and we are never, uh, you know, paid specifically to say something in our content in our video content. Um, our goal is just to educate those patients as best as we can. You would work with a company somehow. That's not out of the question. Definitely not. No. So we would work with any company. Uh, it, 
it just becomes in terms of depending on if someone wants us to create a video for them, we'll create a video and hand you the video. Gotcha. But in terms of a, of a relationship where we're licensing content to a healthcare provider uh, and then there's they're now showing that to their patients, that content is going to be uh, evidence based content, unbiased. Um, not influenced by any outside company or organization uh, in terms of what information their, their patients are getting. Is that one of the reasons why you would not promote it because you don't want to paint yourself into a corner? When we create content, we're creating new content. We're creating about 50 to 60 videos every quarter. Is there some you know drug rep that may reach out and say, hey, you know, we have this launching. Can you please do a video for us? What we'll do then is we'll put it in our content queue and we'll have our content team evaluate it. If that is going to be a first line therapy or it's new in its class, we might do that video and it has nothing to do like I could hate that rep or I could love that rep. It has nothing to do with my relationship with that rep. But do we need to get information to patients about that medication? That's that's the concern that we have as a content creator. So no matter who is telling us, we will still consider doing that video. Now, if the drug rep said, hey, please make sure to mention this or don't mention this, we don't listen to things like that. Your Bible of this is really the patient information guide, which exactly. we're all hoping the FDA isn't bought out, yeah. you know, but you're using very unbiased source material to get across what you need to get across. Exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. Now there's kind of two ways where we will create our, our revenue stream. Yeah. The organization that is that is utilizing the service or the solution. Yeah. They may upfront cover all the costs. And then on on the other end of it, they could either then charge their pharmacies, which in Pioneer, this is not the case because uh, this is now um, offered to Pioneer pharmacies at no extra cost to them. So they could either charge the pharmacies or they don't charge the pharmacies and just completely realize that this is a value add Gotcha. Uh, and use it as like a marketing tool, let's say, to say, look, we have this. It's no extra cost to you, things like that. Now, what's interesting about that is some of our other types of customers, they don't see a direct ROI like a community pharmacy might. Um, they might not see that uh, they can immediately save paper and toner like an independent pharmacy because sometimes we just license the video content. And what we say is like, look, yes, you have to pay for this up front, but you having these this video content is going to help you build your brand with your patients better or it's going to help your yeah. patients become more adherent. So what Pioneer might see or someone like Pioneer might see that a pharmacy uh, never switches away from their pharmacy management system because right. uh, that they, that means they might have to start paying for meds on queue um, every month. Yeah. So, sure. so, it, so there's a bit of a, um, there's a bit of a branding benefit there, a marketing benefit um, yeah. that, that they're able to see. But at the end of the day, it's either, either the organization that we license with that license our, our content or the uh, pharmacy themselves will cover the cost uh, uh, from a yearly licensing perspective. And there's some pharmacies that they can go directly to you. Yes. So that, that's normally how, how uh, our business model works. We work, even though we're integrated with almost all of the major pharmacy management systems. Uh, oh, I it's, see. It's gotcha. Nor we, like, we work with Liberty. We work with um, RX30, ComputerRx, MicroMerchants, um, PDX. Like, gotcha. We work with all of the major um, uh, pharmacy management softwares. Uh, it's yeah. just usually uh, individual pharmacies will license the content or license the meds on queue um, uh individual to their own pharmacy and they would pay them the licensing fee. The relationship with Pioneer giving it to everybody, is that rather new? They're not the first that we've integrated with, um, but they're the first to provide this to every one of their, every one of their independent pharmacies. Our first uh, integration was with RX30 um, back in like 2013, I think. Um, 
but again, we've we're integrated with almost all of them. Uh, but they've mostly been just an individual basis. Um, individually, if the pharmacy wanted to have this and sign up, they would. Um, but Pioneer was the first one to take the leap and say, look, we, we want this to be a standard feature in every single pharmacy. Um, so let's, you know, let's get this relationship in, in that position. Yeah. Congratulations to you guys on that. Do you have any plans to monopolize on people saying, oh, this is so easy now that it's on here, will you have anything else that you're able to offer to, let's say, a pioneer pharmacy that says, hey, VUCA is so cool. Oh, we're going to now use the VUCA this, that an individual pharmacy will come to you? We will um, in the future, but but nothing yet. I have a lot of ideas as to what that's going to be, but uh, but we have a lot of work to do with our current product first. Yeah. Um, before we uh, start some of our other value-added services. All right, don't give away any company yeah. <laughs> secrets, Richard, but give me just a taste of what something else might be. Uh, I mean, a taste of something else might be, would it would be anything that can help a pharmacy um, stay competitive. Competitive. We're going to help them with, yeah. Based on communication or not even necessarily that? Based on communication, whether that be marketing, um, whether that be uh, communication with their patients, yeah. um, educating their patients. Uh, that along along the front of making sure that their patients are well educated with their health gotcha. um, and their medications and and being that I feel like uh, you know I, I try to put myself in an owner's position um, as much as possible and I feel like if I'm an owner of a pharmacy uh, the better relationships that I can have with my patients which usually comes from communicating with them the best yeah is the better um, I'd be able to retain them and and continue to have a, a, a striving business yeah especially because I think that uh, uh, independent pharmacy specifically. And, and I think this is retail uh, chains, but independents as well. The model, the revenue streams are are changing significantly and they're going to continue to change significantly. Yeah. And I think um, as pharmacy owners want to continue to adapt with that, they're going to need to have um, a capability of communicating better with their patients than their than their competition gotcha. to continue to like bring in those revenue streams. So we're going to try to be in a position to help them do that as the years go on. The way that my current vision is, I don't see us providing something to pharmacies that they can then turn around and directly charge a patient for. Gotcha. I don't see us being in that role uh, in the near future. I mean, obviously, you know, I can, something could happen and we can come up with a new plan. Right. I see it on the other front of uh, no matter what it is that your pharmacy wants to do, we're, we'll try to see how we can best help you communicate that and educate your patients gotcha. um, on on their health and medications and make them want to continue to use you and have you as their pharmacy. Gotcha. Yeah, there's a million things. You know, there's sons and daughters that live two states away and there's a 95-year-old mother in the nursing home. And if you could at least get the communication part down, you've solved a lot of problems for people you know without exactly. directly charging in that capacity for it exactly yep richard we all learn by our mistakes and so on is there anything that you would have done a lot differently since you've been there maybe a path you went down that you kind of wish you hadn't or something you maybe missed on that you're playing catch up on now or has everything kind of been enough just of learning experiences and then you're pretty happy where you are with VUCA specifically yeah with VUCA luckily and fortunately I I haven't seen anything that we've done uh 
misstepped on yeah. yet. Yeah. Um, now, I think that there will probably be something in five years from now that I may have been like, man, I should have looked at that in 2020. Sure, look back on. Right. But uh, right now, I think we are uh, we're growing and uh, we have a lot of plans in place that are trying to capitalize on as much opportunity as we can now yeah. in terms of growth, in terms of um, the type of content we're creating, in terms of our marketing strategies. Right. So um, fortunately and luckily, I, I can't... I can't think of anything specific that I can say. Here's one thing that I will say that I wanted to do and I haven't done yet. I know eventually we'll do and, and I'm not in a rush to do it. But one thing I do want to do is be able to provide uh, like an Alexa briefing or some sort of like briefing on new medications um, or updates to medications that have come out. Um, I know that that's probably something I'm missing out on now because I'm not executing on. Uh, and I think being a content company that create a company that creates content about medications, we should be able to do that. So uh, that's something I, I would pro I'm sure I'm going to regret not like not doing more on. Um, but we're trying our best out here. So uh, but eventually we'll, we'll get there. A briefing where a healthcare worker can say, tell me about the new the new drug that's out for such and such. Play the VUCA briefing for today. And it would right. just be a briefing about um, like the today's news of either. Yeah. Uh, uh, information about a quick medication, mostly for healthcare providers, whether it's a refresh, a recap, um, or or telling them about a new medication that just got approved, right? Or a new health warning that, or new like black box warning that just came out, or something like that. Um, I want to do something like that, and we'll do it eventually because we we we'll, we should have the infrastructure to do it, um, and do do it where it's like either daily or weekly, right? Um, but uh, but we have a lot of marketing strategy and initiatives that we're working on for this year that uh, we'll be launching. So and that might be that might be part of it. What are you using favorite programs you're using to manage all this as far as project management software and so on? Are you using anything interesting? RIT has like their own project management thing that they utilize. Um, I'm not heavily involved uh, in that. I think they use something called Basecamp or something like that. I just looked at Basecamp today. I haven't touched it in like three years. And so they said, do you want to lose your subscriber name or something? And then in the meantime, I looked at it. So they've got some cool stuff going on now. Yeah, pretty interesting stuff. I have my own tools that I utilize. Like I use um, Microsoft Lists. I think that's really helpful for me to keep organized. Um, I produce a lot of content on uh, Canva. Oh, I love Canva. Yeah. Love Canva. Yeah. But uh, Basecamp is what like our IT department uses um, when they're working on things. Do you even have an account in that or you're just like, nah, just leave me out of it? No, no, no. I just, I let them take Good. care of it. If they need me for something, <laughs> um, you know, we, we have operational meetings that I go through, but um, I'm in the weeds on certain things, but um, on the on the IT side, uh, they, you know, I, we we provide them with direction. This is what we need done. Um, cool. And they figured it out. A lot of times it's better not to learn the system as far as what's going on. Then you're like, you know, I, I don't know. I Just tell me because I can't even touch that. I did that with the pharmacy system for the last few years, but now I'm pretty heavy into it. But it's a good excuse sometimes. A lot of times it's just that's why you have an IT department, you know, like it's so they can they can do that stuff and not you don't have to like worry about it. Um, you can worry about the other things. So absolutely. Today's a work day. You're a busy guy. I got the day off for some reason. I'm just going to go hang out back in my kitchen and have my next snack for the day. But you've got places to go and people to talk to. But thanks so much for spending time with us today. No problem at all, Mike. Thank you so much for having me on. I really do appreciate it. And uh, hopefully I can, I can make it back on sometime during the year. Thanks a lot, Richard. Nice to see you. Likewise. Nice talking to you. 
You've been listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Please subscribe for all future episodes.